0: Hi guys, happy Monday! Welcome back to the Wellness Wake Up. Hi Carolyn. Hello, happy Monday! So happy to be here this week. This is a meaty one, shall we say? (laughs) (laughs) Pun intended. Before we get into today's
1: topic, shall we start with our magic moments? Yes, I would love to. My magic moment was last night. I was with my best friend from growing up and her mama. They made dinner at my friend's house, and it was just so sweet. Those people who've like known you forever and. My friend's mom, Katie, was my soccer coach growing up. And she has just like seen me since I was six years old through all the life phases and just like her reflections. Yeah, her energy. She's just like so spunky and cool. And it was just one of those soul fill, soul fam nights. So that was my magic moment. How about you? I love that. Old friends are so special.
0: Mm -hmm. My magic moment was actually two days ago. It was one of my best friend's birthdays. And we both, Like sometimes we'll do workout classes together on the weekends, but we tend to like different things. And for her birthday, she wanted to go to Rumble Training, which is like Barry's Bootcamp, (laughs) which if you have been on this podcast before and listened to me talk about enjoyment, I think I've called Barry's Bootcamp my own personal hell multiple times. Um, But it was a friend's birthday. She's a teacher. So we went with a lot of her friends from work because they all kind of get out early. And I was shocked, but I came out of that class and I didn't hate it. I never get on a treadmill and it's not like something I'm running back to do, Mm -hmm. but it was fun. I sweated out. I didn't take it so seriously. And I think it really can teach you that like sometimes doing something that's not so comfortable Mm
1: -hmm. to you,
0: if you do it with like low stakes and not putting so much pressure on yourself, right? I wasn't running at the highest speed. And sometimes when he said sprint, maybe I stayed at my jog Mm and that's okay. But I went into it with such a different mindset of, okay, this is just going to be fun. It's an activity. And I actually thought of you, Carolyn, when you talk about how Q always says like the word play and like Mm -hmm. making things like playful and fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. And that's all it was. It didn't need to be this like big pressure full, like how fast am I going to run? But instead like Okay, can I be here? Can I try something different? So, it was a Yeah, and it for me. feels
1: really good to exert energy. I actually did a bunch of the Rumble boxing classes when I was in New York recently, and the level of catharsis in that is I think it's really important too as women, and I know we talk here a lot about like more gentle exercise, but there's a time and place to like go for it. So, that's a really really good one and to try the things that maybe you've put on the like, oh, I hate that list. And
0: maybe if you go into it without this negative attitude around it, like this is going to suck. Oh, oh my God. And said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just trying this. If I don't love it, I never have to do it again kind of thing. Totally. And yeah, it felt really good. I don't really go to that sweaty of a workout mm-hmm. anymore because I don't really do much hot yoga. So I
1: loved it. It was really I love nice. that. That's a great one. Okay. Let's jump into today's topic. It's a question we get asked a lot.
0: Yes. So today we are answering the question, mm-hmm. should I eat meat? This is a question that many of our clients come in with. And truth is, it's really hard to do totally vegan or vegetarian totally healthfully. Both of us have actually tried this in our past. I know I was a vegan for what I was actually a vegetarian for a couple of years that probably coincided with disordered eating, if I'm being completely mm-hmm. honest, It was a way to restrict food for myself. And then I even did a month of veganism when I was in college. And I will never forget that at the end of that month, I ended up getting as sick as I've ever been been with getting mono and I had to leave school for a week and I felt absolutely terrible. And I remember being home, my mom was taking care of me and she was like, what do you want to eat? And I was like, I think I need meat. Like Mm -hmm. it was like my body's way of almost telling me. So that was my experience with veganism. How about
1: you, Carolyn? Yeah, I think it's really important to note that veganism isn't inherently healthy. It can be done well, but like Marissa said, it takes a lot of effort. My veganism story was I was vegan for a year. I really think I had this very serious boyfriend in college and after. And I think that me going vegan was like the end of the relationship because I was <laughs> such a pain in the ass to go out to dinner with. I'm like, I was just one of those like kind of nightmare people that then got into like only having vegan bags and just judgy and, <laughs> and holier than now and eating special K all the time. I mean, I was like, it was my least healthy because I wasn't focused on like plant-based or, you know, getting lots and lots of veggies in or doing it well. I just was trying to be vegan again, probably for more of the, the diet culture, disordered eating mentality. And so like the truth is every single body is different and what works well for your body, whether it's vegan, vegetarian, sometimes having meat, sometimes having fish, is going to be different. And we really, really want to empower you to listen to you. In fact, we really trust you to make that decision. A hundred percent.
0: And we're big fans of not having to label your diet. You don't need to fall under one specific category. You're going to go through different seasons of life where different things might feel better in your body. Might be certain seasons when you need a little bit more meat and maybe certain ones when you're not craving it as much. And that feels great for you. So- Today, we're not really answering whether or not you should eat meat specifically, but we're going to answer what are the health risks or benefits that come along with it? And is red meat really as bad as we once thought it was?
1: Yeah. So let's start with not all meat is created equal. This is super, super important. And if it's the only thing that you remember from today's episode, please Just note that not all meat is created equal. There is conventionally raised meat, factory farm meat. It's a real problem. The animals not only have horrible lives, if you've ever seen any of those videos that like PETA puts out, it's actually really important, I think, to see sometimes too, just so that you can really know and know the reasons why it's important to spend money on good quality meat because it's an animal's life.
0: Michael Pollan has a really interesting, I don't know if he did a book or what it was on this, but I've heard him talk about the question, should we eat meat or not? And he said when he was going through the question in his own mind, he actually went to like a slaughterhouse and saw how things were done. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, he actually came away with, you know, this is kind of the life cycle or whatever it might be and like choosing good quality and whatever it was. But I can't remember his exact wording. I wish I had it right now. But he was it was it really interesting the way he was like, if you're going to eat these things, you need to be aware of like what they mm-hmm. are and where they come from.
1: I completely agree. I think it's really important to acknowledge that these are animal lives. And even if we do decide to eat them to like have some gratitude, which we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. But first, when we talk about these factory farms, these are called CAFO production, CAFO concentrated animal feeding operations. These factory farms are responsible for 99% of the U.S. meat and milk production. So you really have to go out of your way to get the better quality stuff. And we're going to talk about how to do that. The problem with these. Factory farms is really that they administer antibiotics in food and water of the livestock, whether or not they are sick. So a cow in there is just going to be getting antibiotics put into the water system to prevent them from getting sick. And what ends up happening is we end up becoming resistant to antibiotics and we end up ingesting antibiotics when we eat this meat, which like we really don't want to be having more of that than we need to. So it ends up in the final like meat product from these cows. Cattle are also fed grain diets, which is completely unnatural. Cattle are supposed to be eating grass and, you know, pastures. And so I also really, really think about like, what's their natural life rhythm? same goes for fish too. Farm-raised fish often are fed grains, which like, hello, is the most unnatural thing for a fish (laughs) to be eating. Fish should be eating other fish and algae and plankton and, you know, all of the things that naturally occur in the ocean, not grains. And it really actually ends up impacting what the final product is. It ends up impacting the levels of healthy, free fats, omega-3s, or unhealthy, less healthy fats that we want to be really in balance, like omega-6s, saturated fat, of course, which is one of the bigger considerations when people are eating more red meat. And the the reality is standard American raised meat, that 99% of it is going to be really high in saturated fat because of the food that it's fed and the fact that they aren't actually grazing. They're kept in these really, really confined spaces. Yeah. So you think about it
0: like you are what you eat
1: eats, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are
0: taking in what they are having. So thinking about the diet for the animal is a really important thing here. And I think one thing that people don't always note is that all cows and cattle are like started um, pastures, right? Mm -hmm. They're all like eating grass in the beginning, but a lot of these conventional farms end up Finishing them with a
1: lot of these processed grains that are creating a lot of these health issues. Yeah. And then they're injected with growth hormones to speed up their rate of growth, their weight gain before being slaughtered so that they can get more meat from one cow. And like we were just talking about, it's really important to look at what we're eating and when we buy food, what we're spending our money on. And, you know, really, really thinking about even when it comes to, like, first of all, these are scared and unhealthy animals. The way that they're killed can be really, really inhumane. And there are more humane ways to do this too. It's a really important thing. This is where it comes down to like, these are like different foods to us. So we think it is the how, not the cow. I love that saying, and I can't take credit for it, but our belief really is it's the how it's not the cow. And so cows can be, you know, almost like different humans too. There's lots of different types out there. And I think it's really important to make the active decision of what you're going to be having. I love that. So something else to note, too, we're going to go a little like backwards with you guys, too. We've been eating beef since prehistoric times. So when people say we don't actually need meat, that's not actually true. As evidenced by earliest cave paintings, there's been domestication of cattle as early as 8000 B.C. And so obviously we are not fans of factory farmed conventional meat or chicken and grass-fed regenerative meat is basically like a completely different food. So in a grass-fed and finished scenario, cattle are going to spend all of their lives (laughs) on grass. The grass-fed movement is based on really regenerative agriculture or like holistic management of animals. And it really comes down to like, if animals are ruminating and sort of circulating on land, they're actually amazing for the environment. It can really help with soil health. It can really help with like the entire ecosystem, soil microbial diversity. You know, Marissa and I have talked a lot here about how when we're eating fruits and veggies these days, often they're like much more nutrient deficient than they used to be even 50, 60 years ago. That's because of the soil. And Mm -hmm. so actually having cows and having animals, livestock on land can really help with that soil because actually of manure and things like that, as it gets broken down, I mean, even like mushrooms grow in, Cow manure too. It's actually really, really nutrient dense when done well. And so this regenerative agriculture system can actually help fight climate change. And you know, some of the ecosystem side effects of the more traditional model of the factory farms is greenhouse gases. That's a really, really it's one of the biggest issues that, you know, even that people who are proponents of veganism will talk about how terrible greenhouse gases. That's really methane, basically cow farts. <laughs> are causing because they're in these really concentrated areas being fed food that they shouldn't be eating. And so it's responsible for up to 15% of global greenhouse emissions. And so that's not the case with this more regenerative grass-fed type of meat or cow.
0: Totally. And I think what's really interesting is that the grasses in a grass-fed scenario actually trap atmospheric carbon dioxide, mm-hmm. and then it can reduce the amount of greenhouse gases that are actually emitted. So I think in a lot of this, we always talk about being mindful with your food, being mindful about where it comes from, how you're eating it, what are you paying attention to? And if we look at conventional beef versus grass-fed and finished beef, there are two totally different scenarios. One is where we're really taking care of the quality of the soil, we're taking care of the animal. And the other is like the standard American way, which is more and
1: faster, but Mm -hmm. leads to a worse quality. Yeah, so, and worse quality of life. too. really, yeah. really important. I mean, we've been circling around this, but in the grass-fed model, the animals are outdoors. You know, eating the food that they're meant to eat. It's a much better quality of life. So, one hundred percent on that. So, to summarize that whole little rant of
0: ours, it, mm-hmm. it, Carolyn did an amazing job at summarizing <laughs> all that. I gave her the hard work today, <laughs> but what that means again, it's not the cow; it's the how. So, actually, eating some of this grass-fed beef can be okay. And if not, okay, good for us. And that really comes down to some of the nutrients in the meat. So a lot of times we think of meat, we think of protein, but there's also vitamins and minerals like iron, B12, zinc, selenium, and certain amino acids, taurine, creatine, carnosine, that are actually found specifically in meat at higher concentrations. Iron most specifically. So animal products tend to contain iron. So things like organ meats or red meat like beef, tend to have higher amounts of iron than chicken and seafood, but all of these products do have iron. And the type of iron in these foods is actually known as heme iron. And when you think about plant-based foods, you're getting non-heme iron. Now we understand that heme iron from these animal-based products tends to be better absorbed. It's more bioavailable, which means that we're actually getting more for that amount of iron. Our bodies are absorbing it better. Iron is really essential for good health and for balanced hormones women actually have a harder time keeping up their iron levels. And I think this is so ironic Mm -hmm. because we bleed monthly for our menstrual cycles and that increases our blood loss and we lose iron in our blood. So think about, you know, meat has historically been this like, you know, manly kind of food. And realistically, if we look at what women need. A lot of us actually could benefit from some of this meat to replenish our iron, especially if we are still menstruating. Mm-hmm. Low levels of iron can be implicated in things like hypothyroidism, which is a very common hormonal issue among women. Hypothyroidism can actually contribute to heavy menstrual flow, which means that we tend to lose even more iron and it continues this vicious cycle.
1: Yeah. Really, really interesting. And anecdotally, I can say we see this a lot at Indigo, especially because our acupuncturists work a lot with fertility patients. And what we do see is that women who've been vegan for a long time tend to have a harder time getting pregnant. And it's not 100% of the time, of course, you can be vegan and be healthy. It just does take supplementing and being really intentional about your food and cooking a lot. But B12, iron, choline, a lot of these nutrients are just so, so important for your hormones and for fertility and overall nourishment. And so go get your labs checked. If you're curious where you stand, I mean, even as someone who eats meat, a lot of these labs have been really low for me. And so important to just know that about yourself and know, do I need an extra supplement or do I, you know, optimally, can you focus on a little bit more of the food versions of things? Yeah, I love that. Interestingly enough, this can also be implicated in
0: our mental health. So there was a study of about a thousand women eating red meat specifically showed to have greater benefits for their mental health. What they found was that eating three to four palm-sized, and your palm is not very large, people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) servings of red meat each week was actually protective against mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. They also found that eating 70 grams or more, which is about three ounces, so again, back to that palm size, daily actually had the opposite effect. So if we are eating it a couple of times a week, it seems to be helpful. If we are eating it every single day, Too much of a good thing, not always a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, the mechanisms behind the study weren't actually talked about, but the research or weren't actually studied, but the researchers talked about in their paper that they believe it might have had to do with the high omega 3 levels in grass fed beef and other nutrients. For example, you know, we mentioned like beef is really high in zinc and that's a mineral that we need to keep our mood elevated. When I talk about nutritional psychiatry, which is like, you know, using food to boost your mood, one study I always reference was that researchers started to notice that populations that had lower zinc intake tended to have worse mental health outcomes, like worse in anxiety, depression, and other things like that. So that could be part of the reason why we are seeing this. We also have B12. The human body needs vitamin B12 to make red blood cells, nerves, DNA, and carry out many other functions. It's definitely involved in our energy levels. If you are fatigued and not checked your B12 yet, go to the doctor, get it checked. ASAP. And what's important to know is that plants don't actually make vitamin B12. The only food that can deliver you vitamin B12 is meat, eggs, poultry, dairy products, and other foods from animals. So deficiencies, we see a lot in women who tend to be vegan. They can look like numbness or tingling in the hands or feet, difficulty walking, swollen or inflamed tongue. Sometimes it can lead to like cognitive difficulties, like extreme brain fog or even memory loss overall weakness.
1: And like I mentioned, fatigue. Yeah. Super important. And this is one that we do see again, even if you are a meat eater or occasional, you can still be low in. So this is one to definitely get checked out. And it can also have to do with like the way that with methylation and or methylation, excuse me, add an extra mm-hmm. <laughs> syllable mm-hmm. in there, which can be how your body processes and absorbs different B vitamins. So this can be one that like you could be eating all the right things and your body still might have a hard time sort of creating it. Beyond the specific nutrients, protein, of course, everybody talks about animal products as having protein. Could you get protein as a vegan or vegetarian? Of course. Protein is key for forming muscle. It's key for creating hormones, lots of other processes in the body. And so oftentimes, you know, if someone is like kind of losing hair is a really common one. If they're feeling tired all the time, if their skin or nails are sort of brittle, we'll really look at their protein intake. Another important thing that we get from meat is some good fats. And we think of a lot of times like the saturated fat, which historically has been demonized as the unhealthy, bad for your cholesterol, bad for your health fat. That's not actually true. We need some saturated fat and we also need some cholesterol too. Fats are used in also the creation of hormones. And so this is also another reason why we continue to see those the issues around fertility and hormones with women who don't consume any animal products. And so it's also really important to note that the factory farmed meats, those standard conventional meats will have higher levels of omega-6s, which can be pro-inflammatory when out of balance. And so the better the quality meat that you buy, if it is that grass-fed, it's going to have more omega-3s and it will be better for your health. So compared to the standard American diet of highly processed, low fiber, high calorie, sugary foods, there, of course, vegan diets have some health advantages. And so we don't want to... At all, be saying like that. You know, you're unhealthy if you're vegan. That's absolutely not true. But researchers do find that avoiding all animal food can lead to nutritional deficiencies, specifically in B12, omega-3, calcium, zinc, iron, magnesium, and getting in high-quality protein. So it's doable. It just takes a lot of intention and effort. 100. Um, yeah, and when we think about plant-based, like it's really important. I know that you're a huge plant-based, and you know use that terminology, which I really like, and I also like veggie-forward too, but that doesn't have to mean that you only ever eat plants. Like, can you be really veggie forward, include veggies at most meals, and then occasionally small servings of animal protein. I think of this as like, have animal protein really as the side instead of as the main event. Mark Hyman talks about making
0: it like condom meat. So it's Uh like, you know, it's a little portion like a condiment. Uh That's the way you should look at meat. And I think that's actually really powerful. I like the word plant-based or plant-forward because Yes. I want the bulk of your plate to be plants. We both want color on there. We want you to get all the vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, fiber, and all of those amazing things that you can get from plants. But at the same time, I think we've somehow demonized meat Mm -hmm. and maybe it doesn't have to be. Maybe we actually could do well with some of this stuff, just Mm -hmm. looking at what is actually the balance going on on your plate. That also brings up the question of all of these fake meats. So like beyond and impossible burgers, And if you read the ingredients on the back of these things, they are just a million yucky oils like canola oil, which are not that great for us. And they tend to be processed beyond belief. Like Mm -hmm. If you read the back of an organic grass-fed burger, it might just say organic grass-fed beef and Mm -hmm. salt, whereas an Impossible Burger has like 30 other ingredients, which can cause some stomach upset beyond just not only being great for our health, they can really affect people who are struggling with digestive issues. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some better plant-based meat alternatives. There is a company called Meaty Foods. I actually was just somewhere this morning and got to pick up some of their products, but they have this new technology and they use basically like mushroom and extract the protein from it. And they make this incredible product. I don't know how they do it, but it tastes absolutely Mm -hmm, amazing. mm -hmm. And the ingredients I can get behind that's a good one. There's another one called Abbott's Butcher. And unfortunately, you can only find this on the West Coast. I've seen it in Erewhon and I cannot find it anywhere on the East Coast. I've tried, but they're using like at least pea protein and olive oil or avocado oil in their products, which makes you feel a little bit better about it. And also, I'm going to state the obvious eat legumes, you know, edamame, lentils. These mm-hmm. are protein sources. You can have some tofu every once in a while. Like there's ways to get plant based protein and like, Plants do have protein. They just might not have as much as we tend to need. You know, I posted an Instagram story yesterday. I was making a salad for lunch and I was adding chickpeas to it. And as I was making my salad, I was like, I know if I just put these chickpeas, it's probably not going to be enough. You know, most of us need between 20 to 30 grams of protein at a meal. And really no one's eating more than half a cup ish of chickpeas at a time. Mm -hmm. And that's about eight grams of protein. So I also added turkey into that salad to make it more filling. So I think a lot of us who tend to lean plant based, which is totally fine. Just make sure you're adding enough of those stuff. Make sure you're getting enough, enough other healthy fats too, to make that meal filling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good one too, because I do think people always want to look for like, yeah. The faux protein, or like whatever the protein main sources, but you can get it through veggies, not through fruits or through plant-based items. It just takes a lot of intentionality and effort. And yeah, you it's a little layer bit of a challenge.
0: Yeah. You just want to layer in multiple servings. One of my favorite mm. fun facts is that two cups of broccoli has five grams of protein. So Uh you
1: are getting protein in from your plants. Yeah. If you add any more than that, though, it might make your stomach upset too or cause a lot of gas. So it's like, yeah, that's totally true. It makes me think of, I've seen some like (laughs) vegan friends who really push it hardcore do the like, this has this much iron and like broccoli has this amount of iron and calcium or whatever. And like all of that's true, but is it the most bioavailable version of that? And you would have to eat a ton, like- eight cups of broccoli or whatever the green is to get the equal amounts that you could get in two or three ounces of something like red meat. So it's like, it's doable. And I think sometimes you like people miss the mark by some of those visuals. Um, And like it's really misleading. Totally. You'd have to eat like a vat, you'd have to eat a whole whole jar of peanut butter. Yeah. Like peanut
0: butter is a fat source, not a protein source. Like it has some protein in it, but let's not calling it a protein. Two tablespoons of peanut butter have about six grams of protein, which is equal to one egg. Right. So animals are just an easier way to get in protein. So you don't have to Mm -hmm. eat them, but actually a little bit of the real thing tends to go a long way.
1: Kind of our philosophy, I feel like in all of the ways. So one of the pushbacks that we hear is definitely that grass fed meat is more expensive and it is, it's not, it's always surprises me though. It's not really that much more expensive. It usually is like a, maybe a dollar more expensive for a pound. When I have looked at like ground beef at the grocery store, But it can absolutely be more expensive. And the truth is, as we've covered now, like you don't need to eat as much meat as you historically maybe thought that you were. We're looking at like three to four ounces per serving, not an eight, 10, 12 ounce filet at a steakhouse that really can end up having, you know, the negative side, negative health effects and not be great for heart health and things like that. So can you buy local grass-fed at the farmer's market or at the local butcher? And you'd be amazed. There's actually are like cow shares. I've had friends out here in Colorado where there's a lot of space and freezer space share a cow where you actually end up eating the whole thing. You get all these different cuts and it's way, way, way less expensive than it would be to just buy a one-off. There also, I know on the East Coast, there are a lot or even anywhere in the, in the US too, you can Google like cow share near me or grass fed local meat near me. And there are a lot of meat deliveries that are going to be a whole lot more local and a whole lot more affordable as well versus going to like a Whole Foods There's a lot of people doing it really well, really funny and sweet. My mom is like a super fan of a lot of like the farmer Instagram accounts. And so she's always sharing with me like this local grass fed meat, this local regenerative farm and people really are like, yeah, trying to make a difference in terms of the environment and in terms of like knowing the food that you're really eating a whole lot more. But on that note, can you have gratitude for whatever you're eating as an animal too? I think when we just cut right to eating and chowing it down, we're really like missing a moment of like acknowledgement. And so that's an important practice, I think, anytime, you know, I love to do that at dinner, but especially if there's any sort of animal involved in that meal, like saying a little moment of gratitude and recognizing the whole train, tracing it back through all of the farmers, the, you know, grocery store people, like anybody who touched your food, any chefs, if you're out to dinner, anything like that can be really, really helpful for making you feel good about it. And then can you fill your plate with mostly plants and really have that meat as the side piece or as Marissa mentioned, the condom meat? And all meat is just not created equal. It's the cow. It's not the how
0: diversify or diversify the types you're having, the cuts you're having. If you're concerned about the environment, you know, definitely eating less is going to help, but make sure that you're choosing a really good quality one and choosing a farmer that cares about the environment, cares about the soil and is really focusing on that. So in conclusion, a little bit of meat goes a long
1: way. You can definitely eat meat and still be healthy. And
0: yeah. Any other concluding thoughts, Carol?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, sourcing matters, small portions matters, eat it with gratitude and just pay attention to how you feel. I just had a client yesterday who had been like more on the vegan train for a long time, whose body, like you said in the, in the beginning, Marissa, in, in terms of mono, her body was really asking for it and she gave it some meat. And then the next day woke up with like, energy for the first time in a long time. So our bodies can respond quickly to this too. So I do think that there's an amazing opportunity for all of us to like really listen to what our body's asking for. And if it's around your menstrual cycle too, like maybe try including a little meat and see if that helps you feel more satisfied. It helps you have less sugar cravings or anything like that. I think the trickle down effects can be really important. So we hope you learned a lot. Thank you for listening. This was a research and information heavy one, but I think it's a really important conversation. So please, please share with your friends, family members who are curious about this and let us know what you think too. We always want to hear your feedback and what's working for you. Yeah. Awesome. And have a
0: wonderful rest of your Monday and week, and we will see you next week.